Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Brian. How are y'all doing? Good. Good to see you. Good to be with you. Glad you're here. It's been a crazy week, crazy past couple days. It's all going to go through thanks to some wonderful people we got here, but I'm sure Leonard will explain a lot of that later. And it's an exciting day, exciting morning, and it was work getting here, so it's awesome. So if you want, we'll pray. Uh, we'll praise God, and we'll celebrate something pretty special happening today. Father, we love you. Uh, we thank you for this place that you've given us this building, this church that you've built, that you've made us all a part of. Uh, we're here for you this morning, so I pray as we, uh, as we lift you up in songs, as we hear your word, and as we see uh, just a, a great testimony come to fruition and great thing we're all about to witness. We, uh, we praise you for that, Lord. Um, just let this be a great day for you and your kingdom. We pray for all the craziness that goes on outside of this place. Uh, that as we come here, we can focus on you, lay anything we got going on at your feet, um, and just praise you with joyful hearts. And that as we do go from this place, that we uh, take you with us everywhere and show you that you want to be seen. We, we love you, God. We're here for you. Go ahead and sing. Promise maker, promise keeper, you finish what you begin. vision through the desert you see it through till the end you see it through till the end the Lord our God is ever faithful never changing through the ages, from this darkness, you will lead us. 
Go ahead and have a seat, everyone. Just like to welcome everybody here. It is a special day, like Brian said. Uh, this is something that um, is always the highlight of a worship gathering. Uh, next to meeting around the Lord's table, baptism is definitely one of those things that when it happens, something happens both in the visible realm and the invisible realm, and uh, everybody's rejoicing. So uh, with that said, um, uh, Sammy Yokely is going to be coming up here in just a little bit, and, uh, and Amy's going to baptize her, and um, we are just so excited about this. God's been at work in your life for a long time, and uh, the way you've come to this conclusion and decision, because you're, you're an old soul, and um, so we know that uh, you know what you're doing. 
and we're so grateful for that, and we just want to support you in that. So we're going we're gonna to have your confession of faith in just a minute. Uh, but before we go there, uh, just some good things happening at church. We had a great men's breakfast last week, and the ladies gathered for ladies' night, and that went really well. And it's just so cool to see God moving and God working and just doing the stuff that he's been doing in our church and in your lives. And I know that it's not an easy time. It's a challenging time. And all of us have had things that we have been working through and struggling with. But uh, God is still good. And God has a way of showing up in the dark valley. Uh, I, I did four funerals this week. Every day I came to work, I did a funeral. So, you know, you think about the dark valley. But then you conclude the week with something that is a signpost to the new reality of not just the resurrection, but the new life that begins here and now. And uh, I think it's a wonderful way to just conclude a week and begin a, a new week ahead, uh, knowing that baptism is a sign of life. Uh, so um, all of that said, God is at work in the messiness and in the struggle. And uh, we want to continue to pray for things that are both um, things we're hoping and expecting and anticipating in the Lord and things that we're struggling with. Um, so I know I want to lift up especially uh, Teresa, uh, who lost her father just uh, a while back, and, and you went through, we went through that um, time of saying goodbye together, uh, so just keep you lifted up. And um, just anybody else that has anything that you want to you want to share today? Uh, I'd just like to hear it. Kathy? Oh, good. Good. Okay. We'll keep your cousin Ann lifted up and that as a praise because it was uh, very critical. Possibly she wasn't going to make it type of situation. Praise the Lord. Okay. Anyone else? All right. Well, let's, let's uh, just take this moment, and uh, we'll go to the Lord, and then I'm going to have um, Amy and Sammy come up for their confession of faith. So would you bow with me? Our Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that in the course of this past week and, and just in this year as it's unfolded, uh, you've shown your hand of faithfulness repeatedly. And we know the psalmist says that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. And we can't underscore enough how much that means to know that whatever that dark valley is for each person here, there is that confident trust in that promise that is sure that you are faithful and you are here and you are with us. And with that, if God is for us, who can be against us? And so I pray that our people here uh, would all take encouragement in knowing that your promises are sure, and as we understand them and as we trust them, as we anchor our lives in them, uh, they are the thing that helps us to have the foundation we need for the life that we are called to live. And so I just pray for our church that we would be strongly anchored in those realities. And I thank you for people like Joe Henderson who saw that as a critical part of his, his own life and the expression of his character reflected that quality and so it's a testimony in so many ways uh, for us to hear how someone who has lived 90 years has said that you are a priority and uh, we thank you for the way that he was able to shine your light through his life and uh, we pray for just those who are grieving today i know that uh, teresa is not the only one 
And I just pray for all that have experienced something on this magnitude, that they would know the comfort of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, in the various challenges that we see people going through around us, we pray that in each of them, uh, you would help us to be attentive to the people that we know and then to be prayerful regarding what it is we see that uh, we would have you do. And on the backside of all of that, Lord, we are grateful that you do answer prayer. And um, I thank you for being with Amy this week, who's started out the week pretty roughly with just a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a cold and health issue. And I just thank you for healing her and just making her strong for uh, what she's had to do this week. And I thank you, Father, for being with um, so many of the people that in the last few weeks we prayed for who have gone through their own grieving and their own experiences of saying goodbye. And thank you for the, the one who is the resurrection and the life. Uh, and especially as we just want to have a spirit of gratitude in all these things, thank you for what you've done in Sammy's life and for those who have spoken into her life, especially her mom and dad, and, uh, and as Amy's come on board, the way that she's been able to show you, uh, show her a vision of who you are through her life. Um, we're grateful for that. And as we just see um, the forces of the world work against the purposes of your church, it is so gratifying to see people within this body asking the question, who am I in Christ and how can that make a difference in the life I'm called to live under the conditions that we have to face? And I'm so thankful that as you are answering that prayer, people are seeing who they are as your children in a world that is broken and lost and misguided and very frustrated, that we can have confidence and we can have assurance that doesn't come from our world, but it comes from you. And so, Holy Spirit, just continue to enable that quality in us as a church as we move forward. And the things that we do, we trust that are according to your will and purpose, and you'll bear fruit in them. And for the people that are gathering today who just have a huge burden that uh, perhaps hasn't been mentioned or shared, I pray that your spirit would provide a peace that passes all understanding, that it would guard their heart and their mind in Christ Jesus. And Lord, we know that this life is not all that there is. We are aliens and strangers, and the best is yet to come. And so we don't lose heart, and we don't, get dis we don't fall into despair but we live in a spirit of hope and gratitude knowing that um, in Christ we can do all things and to uh, be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Um, so thank you for the way that you work things together for good. Um, Father, give us a heart and a mind to attune to you as we pray together our Lord's Prayer. Would you pray with me now? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, I'd just like to ask um, Amy and Sammy if you guys would come forward so that, Sammy, we could take your confession of faith and as we do that, um, if you don't know who I'm talking about, everybody knows Rachel, right? Well, this is Rachel too, right here. And, and I'm so thankful that God has been working in your life, Sammy, the way, the way that he has. And um, you, you are a precious girl to all of us. And uh, this is just a celebration 
that um, words can't even carry the freight for. So I just want to ask you um, your good confession of faith and ask you to just to repeat these words after me. I believe, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the Living God, the Son of the Living God, and I accept Him as my Lord and Savior. And I accept Him as my Lord and Savior. Amen. God bless you. Amen. All right. Woo! Okay. Okay. I got a song that I kind of wanted to be, I thought it would be fun for baptism. It's not your typical worship um, song, so to speak. So if you don't want to stand up, you can sing with us. There's a clapping part. It just goes. You know, I thought about playing it as a video, trying to work it in somehow. But, uh, yeah, you got it. <laughs> um, but I figure we'll just try and play it. So some of you probably heard it, but it's just a fun song to get us in the baptism spirit. So. troubles down in your soul. I know a place where mercy flows. Take the stains, make them whiter than snow. Like a tide, it is rising up deep inside a current that moves and makes you come alive. Living water that brings the dead to life. Attempted pop songs. That was fun. So, uh, you guys ready? 
guys to come up. Are you going to tell the, the fun story about it? Okay. Have a seat. Okay. We're about to witness a baptism, and you may think, oh, she decided to get baptized, and now we're going to do it. There's always something that's a backstory when it comes to anything that has a magnitude of baptism. Um, and, and there's both uh, a church-level epic, and then there's the Sammy-level epic. And I think the Sammy-level epic is just the fact that God has been working in her life for a long time. And she's been paying attention, watching us. She's very observant. And she's asking the question, do these guys really believe the stuff that they're saying? And I think she's getting the impression that we are, and she's kind of weighed it, knowing Sammy. And she's like, okay, now's the time, Mom. Now's the time, Dad. And uh, you guys are like, well, if Sammy says it, she's thought about it a long time. So there's been a lot of prayer. There's been a lot of just love and encouragement that has created this moment. On the back side of it, I um, don't know if those guys are ready just yet, but on the back side of it, uh, I came in Friday and I filled the baptistry, and we hadn't filled it in a while, and um, I filled it up, and I went back downstairs where the boiler is, and I heard water running. And I'm like, well, that's not a good sign. And um, the water was not running the way it should be running. And what happened was the boiler froze during Christmas, and uh, it just got so cold in that room, and uh, it basically was not working, which creates a problem because it is 19 degrees this morning. We're doing a baptism, and there is no heat so, notice I'm not doing the baptism. <laughs> okay, I know what you're thinking, but it's not that at all, okay? Um, I actually, the plan was always uh, that, that Amy would do that because she's the, she's the, the, the spiritual voice uh, as far as the church goes that's speaking into her life. So that's a good thing for sure. And I assured Amy, I said, you have hip waiters, but Sammy, I don't know. It's, it's a, but I have to, I have to commend uh, our, our, our property team. Uh, they ran water hoses all the way to the water heater, ran them into the baptistry, and uh, been circulating hot water from the boilers that way. And let's just see how we're doing here. I think we're going to be just fine. So uh, I just praise the Lord for that, the way God has shown up in a variety of ways to make this a special day. Uh, the cool thing also about it that I think is very validating because, uh, you know, Amy, she had, she started out the week kind of bumpy and she had uh, parents' night and ladies' night and a lot of things that are just, now we're executing stuff we've been planning. And um, so we're praying for her and uh, I'm, I'm doing all these funerals and it's just been a tough, tough week. Uh, and then this happened, and Amy's just like, when I told Amy last night, she's like, that, that just is perfect. That makes sense. That's just the way the week's been going. But the cool thing about that is God just has a way of stepping into that and just helping us do what we are called to do despite all of that. And I think that's how he shines. He shines in our suffering. He has a way of get, capturing our attention and then using that for his glory. And so I'm just grateful to see God move the way he did. Um, I told Amy this morning, I said, you know, we're going through John, and today uh, this wasn't coordinated at all. We were talking about Jesus' baptism. And she said, that's very encouraging, Pastor. 
uh, guess what we're studying today in the curriculum? Just so happens we're talking about Jesus' baptism. So, coincidence? I think not. So, with that said, if you guys are ready, are we ready? My name is Samantha, and this is my story. Miss Amy has taught me a lot about my Heavenly Father. And while I was at a concert, the pastor there called us up, and he told us to pray, and said that God will tell us everything we need to know. And God was telling me that I need to get baptized. And this was heavy on my heart to get baptized. And I'm ready to begin a life with my Heavenly Father. Samantha, beautiful daughter of heaven, you were created in Jesus for Jesus, and you are a bright, shining light, and I thank you for allowing me to cherish this moment with you. I am so proud of you, and you are going to change the world, and all of heaven is celebrating with all of us today as you accept your baptism and confess that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. So, looks like you're ready. Okay. All right, family, I baptize you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Woo! That is pretty special. And if you take any way from today, that is a good thing right there. Um, it is a testimony to those who uh, witnessed that, and I know some people want to get baptized in a private service, and I don't discourage that, but whenever you get baptized publicly, it, it does take a little bit of courage, but God gives you what you need to do what you need to do if he calls you to do something, and uh, we believe that sincerely, and uh, of course, Sammy, I don't know, her, she's not timid, so, you know, uh, no, no issues there at all. Just so glad uh, to see uh, this day arrive. And as we celebrate that, uh, as I mentioned, we are in the book of John as we're going through uh, this time between now and Lent, which is going to be coming up next month. Uh, we're kicking off a message series in that book, and then uh, we're going to pivot to Luke and finish out Luke finally uh, during Lent, and then after that we'll be back in John. So if all that makes sense... If not, um, see me afterwards, and I'll try to explain. But I'm so grateful that as we go through these books, just kind of chapter by chapter, God says, yeah, okay, this is what we're working on this week. And that's really been his pattern in going through the Bible. He's kind of shown himself that way. And I'm not the only one who's seen that in the course of a week. The things that we study in these Gospels, God says, yeah, I've been working on each of you this week relative to the stuff that we're going to be exploring uh, on Sunday morning. And I, I'm so gratified by that experience and just trust that that's going to happen. So we're getting ready to look at John uh, chapter 1 again and, and, and just kind of finish it out. And we're going to pick up with uh, verses 19 and following. And the way this is set up, it's the beginning of Jesus' ministry and people are paying attention to this guy, Jesus, and they're wondering, you know, what is going on with him. But he hasn't really shown up to the degree that um, he's a larger celebrity. 
than John the Baptist, who has come to pave the way. And so as John is doing his thing, preparing the way for Jesus, the Messiah, the King, to come, people are really listening to what John has to say. And he's actually upsetting a lot of people because he's convicting them with the things that they need to hear from the Lord. Um, So this is what we read. And this is the testimony of John when Jesus sent the priests and Levites from, or when the Jews sent, uh, when the Jews sent the priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, "Who are you?" And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, "I'm not the Christ," because John was making such an impact on the the whole country that people were saying, "You are from God. Are you the one?" And he's saying, I'm not. He wasn't enamored by celebrity status. He wasn't enamored by the attention, by all of the accolades, or by all of the haters. For him, it didn't matter. He just had one job to do. And that was to proclaim loudly that Jesus is coming. And for him to come into our world, we have to prepare to meet him, which means things have to go on in your heart in my heart, if we're going to hear what he has to say. And John is calling out people who are not right with the Lord, and he's encouraging people who are hoping one day that they can, they can, they can just see the new king that God has promised for so long, and everyone in between. And as John is sort of making that pathway clear for Jesus to come into the world of all the countrymen of, of uh, the people that live in Judea and Galilee, um, it's upsetting people, primarily religious people. Because with religious people, myself included, we all have a view. There's a way of doing faith. There's a way of helping people to understand who God is and how to relate to him. That's a religious worker's job. But sometimes we get stuck in a way of doing things and thinking about how we do the faith that we sort of lose track of why we're doing it in the first place. It's an occupational hazard for pastors who do it for years. After a while, you forget why you're doing what you're doing. And John is basically saying we have to reset it once again and explain to everybody this is why we're doing what we're doing. And they're taking notice because they're not quite in agreement with John's approach. And so some Jews in Jerusalem, which is really where the, it is, it is the central command location of the religious establishment. They're saying, you guys go out and find out what is happening with this John because we're not square with everything that he's saying. So get a bead on that. So they go out the priests and the Levites, and they ask him, just, it says, who are you? But we would say it like this, who do you think you are? Okay, a little bit different. And he confessed, and he didn't deny, but he confessed, I like how John says that, guess what? I'm not the Christ, which begs the question, who is? And he doesn't really waste any time here. And they said to him, who then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I'm not. And then they're asking, it's kind of like, keep asking, are you a prophet? And he answered, no. 
which is, I'm sure, just got them beside themselves at this point because they're trying to say, what is going on here? We have to report back, and you're not helping us out any. Well, the drama continues to unfold because so they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to central command of everything religious. What do you say about yourself? And he said, tell them, I mean, if somebody asked who you were, and you said, I'm a voice crying in the wind <laughs> or crying in the wilderness. Who they say he was? Well, he said he was the voice crying in the wilderness. Well, he's really kind of messing with them a little bit because the fact of the matter is um, they're not in a position to take seriously what he has to say. But he does give them enough to say, what I am doing, hopefully you'll understand. I am making straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said. I want you to know something as we're getting into this text. And I see this every time somebody gets baptized, and I don't want to scare you off. But not everybody and not every being in the universe is excited about what is happening here. Because what is happening here is making a statement about who you are and who you are called to be. And not everybody agrees with what I would call the Christian way of life. The way of life that says, Jesus is the way, and I want to align my life with his. And that may not always square with how the world functions. And already, you know, as I'm, I'm listening to some of the feedback from the kids and, and, and some of it secondhand, some of it from, from them as well, um, you know, they'll talk about how when they go to school, because they're a Christian, they're, they are singled out. And that's just a reality and we have to create a safe space, an alternate community of people that they can say, I may get bullied at school. They may not agree with me at school. I may, you know, I may struggle with people socially, or I may be bold in my faith. But when I come to church and I do things with other believers my age, it's like I'm accepted. I'm loved. People don't treat me different because I'm different in some way. They just treat me as just another one of us that are part of God's family. And if you were ever a kid growing up in church camp, maybe you experienced that. You know, in church camp, everybody, no matter whether you are nerdy or a jock or everything in between, is kind of like, well, the rules for why we're here apply in a certain way that says we're all here because of Jesus. And I've heard people say, when I'd go to church camp, it was like I was in an alternate alternate universe and I go back into my school and then I would be somebody else that wasn't loved and basically respected or 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 in any way acknowledged and the fact of the matter is Samuel faced that and if you start to take Jesus seriously there will be opposing forces that notice and I wish I could say, well, it's just going to be immature kids saying dumb things like we all did. I've, I said it. I was probably that guy, too. And um, in hindsight, I'm ashamed to say it. But the fact is, um, the forces are much larger than just kids. Uh, we read in the scripture that we don't struggle against flesh and blood, but against the powers and the principalities and the dark forces in the unseen realm. So there are those guys who are at work trying to keep us from staying on the path. 
And John is just experiencing it right out of the gate. They're coming. They're kind of, they're not really bullying him, but they're testing him. And John is a, he is a, I don't care kind of guy enough that if they don't agree with him, well, then you can just be on your way. And as this unfolds, the delegation of the Levites and the priests, which are the official religious elite representatives, have their report. And then John says in verse 24, now that they have been sent from the now now they have been sent from the Pharisees, and the Pharisees are another kind of group. They're not from the temple. They're a group of basically lay leaders. They could be from our church, they could be from any church, and they just say, you know what, we want to join a an organization that is not associated with the temple that says we don't like what they're doing in the temple they're very political and a lot of times it's more about power than it is about doing the things of god and the pharisees on the other hand said so we're going to kind of take it on ourselves to be that watchdog for the temple and watchdog for the people and so they had kind of a list of all the things that would define what it means to be a follower of god and they would go around preaching to everybody in churches and you know they'd give me a call and say hey, pastor can we come and talk to your people about the way that they should be living and um and, and some would say yes some would say no depending but the bottom line is they had a list of things that were their do's and don'ts and some of them made sense. Some of them were just oppressive. And at the end of the day, it was a desire to be holy for God, but it was centered on just obeying a bunch of rules. And what John is trying to show us when he says, in the beginning was the word, he's saying that the Pharisees are hung up on words, and they want to make sure your life squares with those words. And John wants to tell them and the people in the temple, Jesus was the word. That is, he is the representative of everything the Bible says. But the difference is, he embodies it in the form of a person. Now, as much as I love my Bible, if this was all I had, if this was all I had, and this was the end it's just a book. The book doesn't love me. But what the book does is it helps me to connect with the one who does. And there's a difference. Because if you come to church and if it's all about the book, but you have no personal relationship with Jesus, then my guess is the church is too fixated on the wrong thing. Now, I'm not denying that the book is, isn't the, the revelation of God. I believe it is. But I am saying that we can get so caught up in saying, well, this is what we know about the book, and we make our own list, and everybody's got their own list, and all of a sudden, if you don't fit that list, then you're out. But John is saying Jesus is actually larger than that, and he's personal. And you guys don't understand that, but I think John is assuming that they feel like that if we can control the book, we can control the people. And he's calling them out on it because it's an abuse of their role. So that's the Pharisees, and they asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? 
because they had a method of baptism, and John wasn't following their script. And John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. You do not know. Okay, that's important. Even he who comes after me, uh, you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. And so John gives us a sense that they're going, okay, they're, no offense to West Virginia, but just let's just say this. They're getting their car in Salem. They're driving down to Steubenville. They're crossing, they're paying their dollar to cross the bridge. They go into West Virginia, and they just drive way out in the boondocks. And out in the middle of nowhere is a creek. I think that's how they say it. That's how we say it in Illinois. Is it a creek or creek? Thank you. There's a creek. And somebody's preaching and baptizing. And these guys make the track. Because what he's saying resonates so much that people are going there. And as they're going there, the religious people are feeling a little bit threatened by it. And as much as I hate to say it, religious people are people like everybody else. We can be insecure. We can be threatened. We can be sort of cliquish, all that stuff that Jesus was trying to help us to overcome. And as this is going on, you have two forces at work here, both representing different sides of what it means to be a follower of God. And in this case, they're both starting to oppose what they're seeing because they don't like it. They don't like how disruptive it is to their world. But you know, the reality is it's easy to poke at these guys, but I'd be the first to tell you, when I started reading the Bible, there were just some things that God was saying to me as I was reading that I didn't like either. Partly because I just didn't understand the significance of why it was important. Partly because I kind of was settled in some things. And I kind of liked some things. I didn't really want to change. I wanted God, but I didn't want to change things. And it's really no different at the end of the day. These guys wanted God, but they didn't want to change anything. But as a result, they were so stuck that a lot of them just never really latched on to the message of Jesus. And that was John's fear. He wasn't concerned about being offended. He wasn't concerned about them coming out all the way to the boondocks and checking him out. As a matter of fact, he was hoping that they would so that they could see what they needed to see and be able to, in their own right, prepare their hearts and their organizations in a way that would say, we affirm everything that God is doing through Jesus the Messiah. That was his hope. That was God's hope. God wants all, everyone to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I mean, John writes a little bit later that very famous passage of Scripture that says, for God so loved most people. No, pretty much just said the whole world, not just the people, everything. And his desire is to save it all, save you, save me, save the whole creation. Nothing less. It's a bold, audacious attempt at salvaging something that is very broken and in many ways quite ruined. Only God. And as this is happening, there are larger forces that are saying, we're not liking this either. 
Now, I've been kind of going through the book of John, and one thing that I know is that he makes a point to say that Satan is the ruler of this world. And if Jesus is coming to save us from him, he's not going to be too happy about what is happening today. And so when we discovered the boiler was broken, not surprised, not disheartened, not discouraged. Matter of fact, it's kind of validating. So you just say, okay, Leonard, you're the pastor, you fix the problem. That's not quite how it works because we're a community that does things together. So I shared it with people that I work with. We've shared it with extended people in the body who are capable to respond to this and together. Did you... Sammy didn't flash freeze. Did you flash freeze? Because we, we were kind of joking, saying, well, if she has any sins, she'll just flash freeze them, and then she'll be out. But um, it was so cool to see you not have teeth chattering when you got out of there. And that's what a community is supposed to do if we understand why we are doing what we are doing. And we've got to remind ourselves on a pretty regular basis why we come to church, why we believe, why we trust Jesus. When the dark valley shows up, why we go to God and we don't lose heart. All of that. And I want to assure you, Sammy, that there are things that work against you in this process that we've just described. And so you have to expect it, but you are not alone. And that's the important thing to keep in mind. Because if you aren't experiencing opposition to your faith, you actually might be going the wrong way. You know, if it's going too easy, that may mean that nobody, especially unseen things, are saying, no need to bother with that one. So keep that in mind, because if the world says, hey, if it's going good, then you must be living right. And Jesus and John the Baptist say, if it's going too good, it may mean that you are too comfortable and stuck to even see what is happening around you. And so we're always coming into a place like this, hopefully, as we grow in the Lord, with a sense of expectation, Lord, is there something I'm stuck in that you're trying to speak to me about? And for some people, it's baptism, to be honest with you. Some people are afraid of water. Some people just don't want to commit. And God, is a, he's a gentleman. He's not going to force anything. But he's going to patiently look for the opportunities. He's going to patiently look for us pray for people that are going through that calling. So as John is sharing this information with us, uh, he says this, now the next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. Now wrap your mind around that. My, my son got a, got a wedding invitation, and it was a beautiful wedding invitation. And I, we were looking at it, and um, the date said, come to our wedding at such and such a date, 2022. And my thought was, I guess you have to have a time machine or something to get there. But as... You know, as they were so excited about saying what they had to say, it was almost like it was right in front of them. I mean, it was like right in the center of the document, 2022. But sometimes you're so caught up in all the details, and, you know, you went to a website, you did a beautiful card, and it just is trendy and cool and very appealing, and you're just enjoying that so much that you don't even realize 
everybody's going to have to have a time machine to be there. So if that can't happen, then um, maybe there was a mistake. And John is saying something that really is sort of out of sync with everything because he says, before I came, he was there. And John even went so far as to say, in the beginning, he was there. And so we have a pretty solid foundation because Pharisees, how long have you been around? Priests and Levites, how long have you been around? Longer than him? Probably not. And I think that's why so it is so important for us to know that Jesus is the source for everything we need because he is capable of addressing everything that we need because of who he is. And John recognizes that, and he's just saying, hey, you're the one. And he said, I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. So John is in tune with something that, that I think we overlook, and that is God calls us all to a purpose. I believe everybody has a calling. I do. It's not always to be a pastor. It may be something related to church work. It may be something that has to do with the betterment of society. And I was talking to a couple of people, talking to Chris, and talking to my friend uh, uh, Jeff uh, Davis, and uh, in their own right, they said that the passion for what they do just kind of started happening at a young life, and then it evolved into a career. And God gave you guys what you needed along the way to do what you were called to do. Now, I know that's a difficult question to wrestle with, um, and sometimes it's not always clear. Most of the time, it's not always clear. Um, but John, he knew, and he was pretty singular in that purpose. Now, as, as this unfolds, um, I, I just want to say a few things, and that's this. Um, when we pray for other people, when we pray for other people, God will be at work in their lives 24-7. He's not going to be saying, okay, I'm going I'm to force my will on them, but I'm going to use every opportunity through the circumstances that they go through to see that as a signpost to me. And there are a lot of people that start coming to church when their backs are so far against the wall, when they're so broken, when they finally just throw their hands in there and they just say, I just don't know, this is beyond me. They recognize there's a layer to my life that is definitely spiritual. And the only one that can fill that layer properly is Jesus. Not the universe, not some teachings, but a person, okay? And when he does that, he relates to us like we relate to each other. If I, if I see Susie doing something, you always sit up front, so I always pick on you. Uh, and everybody's like, we're not sitting in the front row. Maybe I should walk to the back and talk to you guys. But if Susie's doing something that I'm saying, you know, Susie, that's, that's not what you should be doing, um, I could tell her, but I can't make her. I can only, with the credibility of my own influence, hopefully cast that vision for her, and God will do the convicting and things like that. And I think God's the same way. He works on us, and he works on us, and he works on us. He nags us, but he doesn't overstep the boundary of overriding our will. He doesn't want that. Who wants a relationship with somebody where you're the one making them do what you want them to do? Is that a relationship? Or is that just toxic? Well, Jesus has come to show us how to be healthy on all fronts, and that's one of them. 
And God works in our hearts through all kinds of circumstances to say, I'm here. I'm here to help you with this. Are you having problems with, um, you know, with, with, with your finances? I'm here to help you through this. Are you having a struggle with something where you feel completely overhead health-wise? I'm here for you. And there's something about the closeness that is created in the midst of that very trying circumstance where people say, in the end, I'm actually glad that happened because I was pretty stuck. And I'm not wishing dark valleys on anybody, but I am just saying that they are a prime way for God to say, you're in that dark valley, I'm with you. And as he's there, we come to a moment like this where a baptism has been experienced together as a body here, and we've witnessed that. But I'm here to tell you, coming from the Christian church tradition, we've sort of preached baptism is the thing that saves you. My friends, baptism does not save you. Only Jesus saves you. Baptism is just a response of obedience to a way of life that says we're identifying with Jesus as Jesus set the tone for what it means to identify with his following through his own baptism. And so when Jesus saves us, he calls us to be baptized for some purposes that I think are really important. And one of them is to declare to the forces of evil, I'm now with him. And the forces of good and evil are responding to this moment in ways that we can't see but we have to trust that regardless of our inability to comprehend what's happening there, Jesus is greater. And as Jesus calls us to a new identity, he doesn't leave us and say, okay, good luck until it's time to meet me. Then hopefully, you know, hopefully you're good enough, you'll make it. No, he doesn't say that. God's response is this in Jesus He takes where we are and he says, the direction of your life in many ways has been going in a different direction than me. Your purposes have not been in alignment with my creational purposes. And your, a lot of things about the way you think is just the way the devil has programmed everybody to think. The Bible calls that sin. It's just a way of saying you are going a different way that's not God's way. There's other ways to say it, but I'll just put it, leave it at that. And so when he brings his son into the world, he says, I want to show you the one who is the way. And when we are baptized, it is a signal that he is claiming you as his child. And I don't deny that people who have been baptized won't, won't be in heaven in the new creation. I don't deny that. But I do want you to know that it is important to get baptized because it is a moment where you declare to the people around you, and to everything unseen, that was the moment that I am confident that Jesus adopted me into his family. And if you leave it ambiguous, even in your own mind, you start to doubt, and the devil will use that. But Jesus is greater than baptism, and he can, and he can save however he wants. But we trust this way of approaching our new life in Christ through a declaration publicly that way. And when Jesus was baptized, as we read in the scripture, um, we find that um, things began to happen in his ministry because the Holy Spirit came down upon him and empowered him to do what he was called to do. So he was commissioned after the Holy Spirit 
Where did he go after Jesus was baptized? Well, we read in the other Gospels, to the desert to be tested, to see whether or not it was there. And this is really the frightening part for me as a pastor because I know that pattern still continues. And I baptized people, and a month later, I never saw them again in church. And I grieve over that because I feel like it broke down partly because I didn't get them sufficiently connected into a community where they could be, where they could be strong because, you know, there's strength in numbers, and when you divide and conquer, when you isolate, you are vulnerable. And Jesus, he was commissioned by the Holy Spirit. He was enabled by the Holy Spirit, and he said in his ministry, I can't do anything except through the Father. And it is a gift of the Father to him to be able to do the ministry he's called to do. And the next thing, he welcomes you into his community, his church. Well, Jesus didn't have a community, per se, to go into because the temple people, they weren't interested. Pharisees, they weren't interested. And so what did he do right after he went through his temptation? He started making his own group which he's Jesus, he could do. But now he's made that group. It's just continued over the, over the millennia. We're part of that same group. It's just morphed over time and changed with different people. But the bottom line is we are the community of people that are called to be the children of God, men and women, male, female, called to ministry. And that's God's response. I'm not the only minister here. Amy's not, Brittany's not, Brian's not, the elders are not. By this measure, when we come up out of the baptismal waters, God's saying, now we got work to do. And our hope is we can help you to see how God will use you, where you're at with what you have, and he just wants to build on that. And that's the process, and that's a process that God is affirming, and we're trying to also enable, but that's a process that the devil hates. Probably the first thing he'll tell you is, you're not good enough, what do you think you're doing? You can never do that. Well, I'll be first to tell you, no, you can't. You can't do that. But with God in you, you can. Um, I, I'll just, I'll talk to my, about my friend Jeff Davis because we rode in the car a lot this week. And he said that, because um, I, I asked him, you were called to be uh, in the funeral industry. How, explain to me your calling. And he explained it to me, and he said, you know, the one thing that really validated it for me was this. I had... Um, I wasn't the best student in the world. And I knew in order to complete my, my training, I had to go through physiology, chemistry, and uh, anatomy. And when he said those words, I just shuddered. And he said, I did not think I could do it. But I felt the peace of God overcome me. And he said, you do your part, and I'll do my part. You're going to pass this test. And he'll tell you. I don't know how it happened, but God made it happen, and he's the reason why. And that is just one of a million illustrations of what God does when he asks you to do something. You just say, all right, you say so. Or if you're like me, and even Jack Austin, my predecessor, we were kind of like, we don't know if we want to do this, and just Right before we got the word out, we don't want to do this, Bill Stark pushed us into the deep end of the pool, so to speak, and we had to do it. That was it. And I think it's so beautiful because God, if he calls us to go into the first steps, 
of our walk with Jesus through baptism. And as we come out, he enables us with his spirit. And then the idea is he plugs us into a community where we can be strong together because if you isolate, you fall away. And if you are in a community, if you're like me, every time I'm around the people that I know that love the Lord, it rubs off on me in a good way. And that is part of the way it works. Why is that important? Because of the other forces that are at work. The devil, and the scripture says, and his angels. Those forces of evil in the unseen realm that the world doesn't acknowledge, but I mean, just watch TV now. Is there talk about demons and devils and angels and monsters and cryptids and all of that stuff? They're just wanting you to get comfortable with that stuff because they want to take over. They want you to celebrate and say, this is normal. And my, my response to that is, uh, no, it's not. That is not the way God made this planet to be. And they don't like what's happening here. And what we went through the last two years was, in a lot of ways, a sifting of believers. And some people fell away. And I can't judge anybody's reasons for not coming to church. But I do know the people that have come, it hasn't been easy for you. But I can assure you, most of the people I talk to, they've dug deeper into their faith and in their walk with the Lord than I think they ever have. And that's what sifting does. It clarifies what is important and what's not. And Sammy, I think when the pastor spoke and he challenged you that way, it clarified things for you, didn't it? My guess is God was already working, and you're like, that's it. And that's what God does. And we're so proud of you for listening to that voice and trusting that that's a thing to do. And we want you to keep listening to that voice. And you'll hear it through Amy, you'll hear it through your family, you'll hear it through pastor, you'll hear it through the people that work here, everybody that is part of this body. You'll hear it. And we want you to know that because of this. Because the devil will look for your weakness and he will say, that's what we're going to work on. And that varies from time to time and situation to situation. But as he and their minions try to do that, probably the most common strategy is just to make you confused about church, about Jesus, about religion. And there's a lot of stuff outside the doors of this church that are being said about the church. Some of it is deserved. And some of it is just a total misunderstanding. And our goal is to represent well. And to do that together. And baptism is a way of saying we are part of this group now. That's part of our primary identity. That's the whole point behind baptism is to identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, as Amy said. We all have a lot of identities. We all wear a lot of hats. But if somebody is say, well, when I peel it away, what is really inside of you when I ask the question, who are you? And if your answer is unashamedly, unreservedly, reflexively responding, I'm a follower of Jesus. 
then that's the right answer. That's a good answer. There's a bottom line to the message, and here it is. It's simply this. Jesus paves a way to the Father through his baptism. And he's calling us to follow that example. The opening of John shows us that. The ending of a book like Matthew says, after Jesus did everything that he was called to do, die on a cross, save us from our sins, rescue us from the evil one, transfer us out of the dominion of darkness into his wonderful light, give us a kingdom identity. After all that's done, he takes his group of people aside and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you guys go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I command you. Until the And then I will surely be with you always. I will surely be with you always till the end of the age. That's pretty good news. That is the best news ever. But I wonder how that news has filtered down into your mind and your heart. Because God's aim is for it to filter into everybody's heart. And maybe you're stuck. And God is saying, I want you to just, I want you to now begin to move on. And the only way that you can do it is to start with him and ask the question, Lord Jesus, with a sincere heart, help me to know where I am stuck. And then give me the eyes to see in the next day, weeks, maybe even months, how I can get unstuck. And I believe he will. A lot of times he works fast. Sometimes we're a piece of work. But at the end of the day, you're God's piece of work. And he loves you more than you will ever know. I want to close with prayer. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for Sammy. And um, then I'm going to ask Matt to come up and lead us to the Lord's table. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for what heaven was able to witness today. We're thankful for the chorus of angels that are singing and declaring your praises and just celebrating uh, that new birth that is that is in heaven, acknowledged, recognized, recorded in the book of life. And thank you, Father, for the things that happened here on earth to orchestrate, to choreograph, to do all of the things that were necessary for us to converge into this moment. And it's only you working, Lord, so we give you the praises for all of that. And for working in every heart here in the way that you have, you're making us fit for life together forever. And we know that that's a big job that is impossible without you. So I just pray for everyone here that they would renew that connection with you by just simply having a spirit of surrender to you. And to pray, not my will, but your will be done. And to trust that if we take that posture, that no matter what we're attached to, what we hang on to, what it is that in our mind we think is the most important. Help us to just put that aside and make you the most important and then to work backwards from that into 
our own lives. And I pray for our church that we could be those people that do that consistently and regularly. And Lord, as we get ready to meet at your table, we just pray that you bless Matt as he, as he brings us into that covenant remembering ceremony and that you help us, Father, to leave here spirits encouraged, hopeful, trusting, and most importantly, celebrating. As we come into the time of communion, um, what we think about Jesus' life, we think about all the examples that he showed us through his ministry, through what he did in his life. And, and those are things that we are asked to remember. Those are things that we are striving to do in our lives. So as we gather around the communion table, he was there with his disciples. He took the bread, he took the cup, and he said, do this in remembrance of me. So as we partake of the cup, and the bread this morning, I, I say, just like Jesus, he, he's telling you to do it in remembrance of him. Um, not only is this time to do it in remembrance, but it's also a time to reflect on our own lives. And are we striving to be like Jesus every day? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you just thanking you so much for what you've done for us, giving us the example to follow in our lives, and just being with us every step of the way, especially when satan and the demons and everything are trying to bombard us and take us down lord i just ask that you just continue to be with us i also ask that you lift up sammy in this new journey of her life and just help it to be a remembrance of of us when we took that step of faith and it's in your son's name we pray amen